0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Let's get right into the Word tonight. We've got some other things to, to talk about before we leave here this evening by way of announcements and things. But I just feel maybe the atmosphere is right to step into the Word of the Lord. Thank you. I want to uh, take you to a familiar place. It's 1 Samuel chapter 3. And now I'm going to beg of you not to disconnect just because you see the grass beating down a little bit. You recognize the path. But I really have prayed sincerely this today and asked God to help us to just see this with a fresh eye. And, and if the Lord doesn't allow me to speak something new... I believe that he can allow you to see something new. Amen. Something fresh, something that would be pertinent, relevant. We're going to read several scriptures, but I'm just trying to figure out where to start and stop. So I just want to read maybe about ten verses here. The first ten, 1 Samuel 3 and 1. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious. Another word for precious there is scarce. The word of the Lord was scarce. In those days, there was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was laid down to sleep. And the Lord called Samuel. He was just a young man. Bear that in mind. But the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, "Here am I." And he ran unto Eli, the priest, and he said, "Here am I, for thou called me." And he said, "I called not, I called not, lie down again." And then he went away and lay down, and the Lord called yet again, And Samuel and sa- the Lord called yet again Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, "Here I, here am I." For thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. So we see a lot of things kind of unfolding like a rose before us in these scriptures. Verse 8, the Bible says, And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here Am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. Now, I want to I, I just choose for a subject tonight, this, lessons from Samuel. And um, I, I'm not trying to sound uh, too generic in that regard, but I do believe there are some things that we can all take away from this story. Amen. So I want us to pray, and and sincerely, let's not just consider this another night, another sermon, just another day, But I believe the Lord can speak something relevant to our heart here tonight. God, I love you today and I thank you for the privilege that you have given me one more time to stand behind this pulpit and to preach the infallible word. It is true, I often say unyielding, unbending, it's the word God by which we we build everything else from our lives off of. And so I ask you this evening to help us and to strengthen us now in Jesus' name. Amen, and you can be seated, and um, I know that some of you may be familiar with this passage of scripture, others may not be, so if you will just pray for me to kind of find the middle of the road here so that we can touch as many hearts as we can with the help of the Lord. Like many barren women before her, maybe like Sarah or Rebecca or Rachel, we find a lady by the name of Hannah. Hannah, who was the mother of Samuel. Hannah wanted a child. She desperately wanted a child. And so, if you read 1 Samuel chapter 1, it's just an incredible story of how overwhelmed Hannah was with a desire to have a child. And how that some of that was, of course, I think, a very natural thing that she desired to have a child, but also that was somewhat spurned on by other women around her and in her life who had children. And somewhat disqualified her because she had none. And so she prayed and asked God to give her a child and the Lord. And she said, if you'll give me a child, I'll give him back to you all the days of his life. Right. What an incredible, it's one thing to say that in a moment of uh, emotion. But quite another thing to make good on your word. And The Bible says later that when the child was weaned that in fact she did take Samuel to the temple to Eli. And there she left him and only visited him Annually, and that was to come at the time of sacrifice. And she brought him a new garment because he had grown, of course, every year. And uh, so she brought him a new garment or visited with him annually. And so uh, she promised the Lord, If you will do this, then I will do that. And so God gave her a son of promise, and she honored that vow, dedicating him to the service of the Lord and dedicating him for all intent and purposes. To the ministry, we may use that term today, of Eli, who was the priest, and uh, now, now the Lord, the Lord had listened to Hannah. What a beautiful story! And and so now we see the clock moving forward, calendar pages turning, and now it is time for not only for Hannah to speak to the Lord and the Lord to speak to Hannah, but it is now time for the Lord to speak to the next generation, and that was to young Samuel. And uh, this wouldn't seem like that it was something out of place. But we need to remember the very first thing that I read tonight in verse number one. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. This was a very dark and a very dismal time spiritually speaking. But... uh, but the spirit of the Lord was still nonetheless speaking. I believe the Lord has always spoken and he has always moved. But it was during this time that the, the word of the Lord was precious and there was no open vision. Now there were a lot of things that contributed to that and I, I don't want to take the time to run off of, of too many little arteries here this evening. But, but I think it's important to understand that before Samuel could learn to hear the voice of the Lord... And to find out the path that God intended for him, he first needed to hear the instructions of Eli. Amen. And so I do believe that God calls and I do believe that we still, that mankind still answers, but I do not believe that that negates the voice of leadership in our life. And so uh, I think it was important for him to hear the voice of God, to learn the voice of God. But I do believe that we some of the lessons we can learn here is that Eli, even in his, young, in his young state of mind, understood the validity of taking what he had heard to Eli, take that to the priest. And so he learned to obey the voice of Eli. And so as a voice and as a result, rather, of that submission, then Samuel ultimately learned how to obey the voice of God. I believe it is so very vitally important that all of us have a sounding board in our life. And I'm not just talking about Aunt Susie for Aunt Susie's sake or Uncle Ben for Uncle Ben's sake, but I'm talking about somebody that is a designated voice in our life. Amen. I believe that everybody needs a pastor. Amen. I, I have a pastor in my life that I am submitted to and, and uh, a, a pastor uh, that in my life who has veto power. <laughs> Amen. A pastor who has the right the ability that's given by me to say no amen and he if you know my pastor you know he's familiar with that word doesn't mind using it amen doesn't feel necessary doesn't never feel it uh, necessary to apologize for it. but i'm glad for that we need a voice in our life i'm not talking about somebody to abuse us spiritually i'm not referring to that at all but we need to understand the value of that samuel's Miraculous birth certainly made him very unique in that that had it not been for a miracle of God touching the barren womb of Hannah he would have never been on the scene. But his ability to hear the voice of God at such an early age is going to further set him apart from the pack. So he's already a child of promise. He's already a miracle child. But now even as this miracle child, as a child, he hears the voice of God. Now at this time, as I said, it, it was a time that the word of the Lord was rare. Scarce the Lord was the word of the Lord was precious. Very few people saw visions or heard from the Lord in this particular time because it was a dark time spiritually, and and as the Eli as the eyes of Eli began to wax dim spiritually and physically, it was in this moment that God began to move in the lives of Samuel and give him some tremendous insight to His plan. Not only was Samuel different from Eli, um, but um, But he was also different than Eli's sons because the Bible talks about Eli's sons whose names were Hophni and Phinehas as being very wicked. They were wicked men. He was also different from the other children of the tabernacle. I don't believe that Samuel was the only child that was there in the tabernacle. I think it's very highly possible that that, that there were other children that had been dedicated to the Lord who were, were there to work at a certain time. But I believe there was something different, special about this young man, Samuel. Samuel's t- tabernacle service didn't end when he reached a certain age. You know, maybe maybe somebody else's child was just there for a few years. They were just there on an internship, so to speak. But but Samuel had been dedicated to the Lord and he was dedicating his life to the Lord. And we know that Samuel did indeed dedicate his entire life to to working in the kingdom of God. Time would prove Samuel to not just be a young lad in the temple, but time would prove that he would be a prophet, a man who was heard, a man that was obeyed, and a man who spoke the infallible word of God. Amen. So if we could just kind of go back to the setting for just a moment. In spite of his godly heritage and in spite of his work in the tabernacle, we need to go right back into the setting that Samuel did not recognize the voice of the Lord when the Lord first called him. Now, I'm not saying that in, to, to sound disrespectful or in a disparaging way because we must also remember that he was just a young man. And so we all have to hear the voice of God in our life. And, and maybe we, maybe some can understand some of those first few encounters with the Lord when we begin to realize that God was indeed dealing with us. And when I, when I say the Lord speaking to us, I believe that God has the ability to audibly speak. And uh, I, I'm just going to say this to you. And uh, the Lord has never audibly spoken to me, but the Lord has spoken to me. He has impressed on my heart. Amen, as strong as, an audible, as strong as an audible voice could be, I'm not saying that he can't or that he wouldn't. I have met people that I have confidence in that have had those experiences and, and so I leave that in their hands. But, but uh, I don't believe the Lord just sits down across the table and we just have conversations. Amen. Uh, and, and I've heard some people speak about it as though they just kind of had lunch with the Lord. And when you find the Lord speaking in Scripture, He just kind of speaks, just a, a word here. I think Brother Rayleigh did such a wonderful job many years ago when he was talking about Noah in a message, and maybe maybe it was more than one time. Maybe not quite as long as the James series, but I think maybe you might have mentioned, <laughs> may have mentioned uh, about Noah about the, the, the hundred years or so that, that that the Lord never spoke again and the Lord gave him instructions and he moved by faith and so we watch in the life of Joseph how that the Lord spoke to Joseph in a, in a dream and reveal what was going to happen in his life but there was, there was a whole lot more silence than there was times of talking and so I have found that to be true in my life but I believe that God still speaks so don't please take anything I'm saying to be negative or out of context but I believe that God is, is going to, to uh, confirm his word. He'll speak his word and then confirm his word all along the way. Amen, I believe that as Samuel, when he, when he came to this point in his life, that as the Lord began to speak through him, that he didn't recognize that at first when the Lord first called him. But every time, because in scripture, every time that the Lord spoke, he mistook that for the voice of Eli which was a very rational thing. I, I've, I've said this before. I will pause long enough just to, to, to say this again because I think it's worthy of being repeated. I think that there is a tendency, if we are not careful, and I'm not picking on Samuel because he was just a child, but just get the point here, that when the Lord moved on Samuel, Samuel responded to Eli. The Lord moved on Samuel and he responded to Eli. The Lord moved on Samuel, and he responded to Eli. Now, if I could just use this analogy as I've done many times through the years and said that, that there is a tendency sometimes when the Lord stirs us for us to respond flesh to flesh. And that's what Samuel was doing. He was a child, but he was still responding. Flesh was responding to flesh. And there are times I have... I've found this true in my own life. So I'm not throwing darts that the Lord was trying to stir me spiritually and I went and tried to scratch that itch by doing something naturally. I'm not, talking, I'm not talking about go play golf naturally, but just to do something for the sake of doing something when all along the Lord was just trying to not get me to go do something. He was just trying to get me to draw closer to him So does that make sense? Amen. And so uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself in the story, but it would be very easy for us if we're not careful because it was really the flesh that Samuel had a relationship with. It was the flesh of Eli. So we're not blaming him for that. But what do we have the greatest relationship with? Who would be bold enough to say it? Our flesh. I know we say we love the Lord, and we're here tonight because we love the Lord. But you know who we give into more than we give into anything else? It's us. It's the flesh. That's And so we have to fight very, very hard that when we are stirred that I don't just go do something for the sake of doing something and that I make sure the Bible says that the Lord said to Moses, there is a place by me. And I believe that God tries at times, sundry times, to draw all of us into that place by him. And if we're not careful, instead of answering flesh to spirit, we will answer flesh to flesh and try to gratify that longing in our heart by just doing something with our hands. Amen, I just feel like I need a better illustration because I feel like there's too many question marks floating around. We may feel like this is not really fitting, but we may feel like that God, we may feel a stirring in our heart and it's God trying to draw us to a greater place And we just get under the burden of just going to bake somebody some apple pies or going to cut somebody's grass. All in Jesus' name. And the pies probably were enjoyed and the grass may have needed to be cut. But we're trying to answer something with our own arm of flesh. And I got to get off of this road or we're never going to get home but we need to understand that what is this when the spirit cries out the bible talks about the deep calling to deep amen and so we need to let the spirit answer to the spirit every time the lord spoke to samuel he thought it was Eli, and so we read about him going there when he wanted that, or trying to find the answer. And so I want to remind you again, according to Scripture, that that Eli had begun to fade his eyes. The air, the Bible says, ere the lamp of the temple went out, of the temple of the Lord was going out. The eyes of Eli waxed dim. Yet in the midst of this dark and dismal time, God wanted to open Samuel's eyes to some eternal spiritual realities. Now we can talk about how dark it is outside. I understand how dark it is outside, but hear me. Amen. The Bible says that, that where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. And it's not going to get so dark in the world that the church is going to be in need of somebody having to Offer a light, Amen. When when the grace the grace of God is always going to be greater than the sin that is so prevalent in our society, and so we uh, I, we just have to understand that in the in the midst of this dark time of Samuel, and in the midst of this dark time in August. <laughs> that God is still wanting to open our eyes and our ears to some spiritual realities. I think we see something in this story that's still true and it's still alive, thankfully, that the Lord doesn't just speak one time. I'm very, very thankful for that. Amen. God continued to reach out to Samuel. He's had to continue to reach out to me. He's had to speak more than one time. Either I wasn't listening or I had doubt that I had to push through, whatever the case may have been, even though he failed to fully comprehend the message and understand what was going on. When God has a call upon our lives, he is not going to give up on us. He won't give up on us if we won't give up on him. God is not content for us just to faithfully serve him and spend time in his house going through uh, religious rituals or rites. Amen. God wants us to know him, know him more than once today. I said, Lord, help us not to come to church tonight and just sing songs because we know them by heart or read scriptures just because they're familiar to us. I've asked God, to I have sincerely asked the Lord today, don't let me go here today, God, just because it's a good story or just because it's a familiar place. But Lord, lead me to the passage of scripture that would be pertinent and relevant for us tonight. God wants us to know him, know him. Samuel did not know the Lord, but the Lord was gonna change that and he desired to change that. He had plans for Samuel and he just kept calling until he answered. It seems apparent uh, to me, at least from the story that Samuel knew to come when Eli called. I'm not just going to break this down in two bite-sized, two small of pieces, but it just seems apparent to me that he, he knew to go if you're called. And so when he heard something, the only thing he knew to do was respond to Eli. When he heard his name, he went to Eli. I think his obedience was a wonderful thing. And I think obedience is a wonderful thing. But, but God needed Samuel to learn his voice and then understand his direction. Eli had lost his ability to hear from God. He had lost his ability almost to see. When Samuel mistakenly thought that Eli had called him, the old priest just sent him back to bed. We read the scripture. Although the Bible doesn't state that Eli was wicked like his sons, it does seem like that Eli had fallen short of the real plan that God had for his life. And so with young Samuel being in the temple, it gave Eli another chance to get reconnected to God. Amen, I just see the restorative hand of the Lord in this little moment here. Amen, it's true that the Lord did not speak to Eli, but I will say this, that this sage of a man still had the ability to guide a young man that had been entrusted to him from from his very youth. He may have had a lot of perils and problems going on in his own life, but he still had the ability finally to understand, amen, I've got to guide this young man in the right way. Amen, this had to be a very awkward thing, a very awkward place for Eli if you think about it because now on the third visit, he realizes that God was speaking, but he no longer heard the voice. Amen. Some uh, some years ago, I don't. Just a few years ago, I guess I don't. Didn't write it down, but, but uh, we. I, I reached that wonderful place in my life when my wife would say, "Did you hear that?" I hear a thing. I mean, she can hear all sorts of things, and there are certain tones that I seem to have lost through the years. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, not blame it, but I'm going to associate that with spending about 40 years of my life standing under these things, and uh, <clears throat> that may have been what done a little bit of damage, but it's a weird thing. It's a, I'm, I'm not deaf, but it's a weird thing for people around you to be able to hear things and you not hear it, right. Right. And, and it's not this way so much anymore because she's gotten a little bit used to that, but when it first started, she would say, are you serious? You really can't hear that. I really can't hear it. I've been, and I'm. I mean, now you know when you're under pressure, you kind of lean in a little bit, and you, you're, you're really trying to. You're really trying to pick up on it, and it's a strange. It's a really strange feeling. Whenever somebody around you is hearing something, and I'm talking about just you know things of that are probably of no consequence, but but uh, but to think about this awkward position that Eli is in when he realizes the third time, hey, God has been speaking loud enough to wake a young man who doesn't even know the voice of God to wake him out of a sleep, and I didn't even hear a thing. Now Eli's lifetime of experience had not brought him as close to God as perhaps it should have. Amen. I just want to say again tonight, just for the record, that you can't just hang out in church and think we're going to just morph into whatever that we think God is going to, we're going to have to be intentional about what the Lord wants us to become. As a little child, Samuel had shown such humility. Amen. A humility that Apparently, Eli's sons lack themselves. And so listening to Samuel brought Eli closer to God. Now, I, I truly appreciate what the Lord is doing in the lives of our youth in our church. And I, I realize that they're not perfect. Uh, they haven't got it all together no more than we had at their age. Amen. And I'm not trying to broad brush and, and just paint away sin because we are not sin, but wrong, but we, we want to do everything that we can to help them. I want to be able to see beyond where they are today and look to where they can be in the future and think of God, what God can and will do through them. And so when Eli perceived that God was calling Samuel, He began to see Samuel's potential, and that's my point. He meant he wasn't perfect. The Lord was speaking. He didn't know it was the Lord, but Eli looked beyond that, and he saw his potential. He was a child. He didn't know who was calling him. He didn't really know how to respond to that. Therefore, I think it's even more to the credit of Eli that he didn't get offended with God or that he didn't get offended with Samuel. He could have brushed the whole thing off. He could have just downplayed the whole thing despite his apparent spiritual decay. He still proved to be a good voice and a good mentor in the life of young Samuel. I truly believe that that we could charge Eli with a lot of negative things, of course, at this particular juncture, but we could not afford to forget that he served as a very influential voice in the life of Samuel at a very, very critical time. Amen. Now, I don't want to sound silly about where we're fixing to go for the next couple of minutes, but I'm afraid sometimes that we read through these Bible stories, and especially if we are sort of familiar with them, we read through them so quickly that we forget and maybe miss some of the beautiful things uh, that that perhaps are here. And uh, I want us to think about this story for just a moment, or at least a portion of this story for just a moment, and I want us to think about it frame. By frame, So we're going to slow the, the, the film down here tonight. We're going to slow the video down. And while I want to just take a few minutes frame by frame. Eli is awakened out of a dead sleep twice. Amen. And so two times he just simply sends young Samuel back to bed. However, if you can just imagine with me for now, just a moment. And if you can just imagine with me that single moment when Samuel is standing for the third time at the foot of his bed, and he is saying, what do you want? You called me. Let's just hit pause. Like a wave, the truth of what is unfolding here must have come crushing down on this priest of God. God was speaking to Samuel. Amen. Don't you think it's possible that he asked himself, why didn't I hear the voice of God? I mean, this young man is standing here at his bed, and it's at this third trip that it dawns on him what's going on. Eli's sons had failed to heed the words of their father. They had ignored the wisdom of their father. But here was God giving Eli one more chance in the life of another young man. And so it's at the end of verse number eight of chapter one that Eli says this, the scripture says this, and Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Now, with that frame still frozen in our mind, think about this very critical moment in time. Eli has an epiphany. He has an awakening, an awareness. He perceived this is the voice of God. Amen. He is standing here, an elderly man, an old man, who is, who is, who is trying to, to unravel exactly what's going on in this very moment. For, for, for Eli, I believe that, that time, have you ever had something real serious happen in your life? And 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 uh, maybe a, a fall or an accident, and I think maybe most of you can relate to this: that that time kind of go, everything goes into slow motion. I've I've been in in a couple of accidents, and it just seems like that I've I've fallen down, and it just seems like that just time just just went just click 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 click. It was just a, a everything was just in slow motion, and so I, I'm not. I'm not trying to be silly or, or to waste your time tonight, but I just think for a moment it was just possible as I read this and, and tried to just meditate on it today to think that, that it's very possible that this moment of time right here just went into absolute slow motion. The weight of the future is now suspended by absolute silence. I want you to, I'm trying to freeze the frame right where Samuel comes the third time and says, what do you need? Right there, I want us to stop the frame right there. All of the future is now hanging in the balance of absolute silence, absolute silence. Amen, all of the future suspended by this we could just pause this now, if we could just pause this and step into the frame, if we could just, uh, is this all right? If we could just pause this now and step into the frame and just step in between these two characters, this sage old man and this young man with his future ahead of him, we could step onto the screen. We could step in between the foot of that bed where he lay and where the young man stood and we could ask Eli, what are you gonna do with this moment? amen Eli are you going to get bitter are you going to fail to speak are you going to stay silent like Abraham are you going to stay silent like Adam are you just going to stand here what are you going to do with this moment in this frozen moment of time stepping onto the, to the screen would we say will you despise him because he has found some new experience amen are you going to reject what God is doing in his life you with me now I know I haven't done a real good job with my mind and it's a real risky thing to let me ask you to let me play with your mind for just a little moment but just pardon this analogy if you will. If this were a movie, now I'm gonna risk offending some here but, but just come down off the spiritual pedestal for a second. If this were a movie, I believe that one camera would just kind of zero in on the innocence of Samuel. And he's just standing there. He's still saying, you called? He's waiting with bated breath for the man of God to say something. If this were a movie, the other camera would be focused in on the wrinkled brow of a dying priest. If We just had a little bit of clean this wood, clean this wood movie. I mean, a music playing in the background here could probably make this really real Sweat's popping up on his brow. I mean, this is just, you know, <laughs> I don't know who's doing that, but please stop. Please, you're gonna get us all in trouble. Sweat's popping up on his brow. The future is suspended in silence. What are you going to do with this? What are you going to do with this moment? The crushing weight of wasted years probably started pressing on the spirit of you this young man has heard God speak and I haven't heard a word. And it dawns on him, God is speaking. God is talking. To his credit, the silence and the awkwardness of this moment is broken when he opens his mouth in verse number nine, if you'll put that up, Sarah. And the scripture says, therefore, Eli said unto him, Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be if he call thee that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. What Eli could have done with this moment is horrifying to think about. I know God has a plan, and we could probably through our flesh only frustrate the plan of God. It would have ultimately been fulfilled, but to his credit, Eli didn't get angry and didn't strike out and didn't try to downplay. So I say, thank you, Eli. Thank you, Eli, for pushing past the pain. Thank you, Eli, for stepping over all of the shame and all the guilt or whatever must emotions must have flooded through your mind at this moment. And a thank you for not allowing the future of somebody else to stand in the way. I think there are so many lessons here for us in this passage. And one of them would certainly be found in the fact that Samuel had apparently learned to. Listen to the voice of Eli. Yes he had. He could have dismissed him as a man out of touch because don't you think for one moment that the community at large wasn't aware of the spiritual condition that Eli was in and don't you think the streets were filled with the fact of all that Hophni and Phineas, his sons were doing and don't you think that this for a moment that this had not somehow overshadowed the effectiveness of this elderly priest who is on the waning years of his life. He, uh, young Samuel could have said I got this. I'm I'm not going to pay attention. I'm going to listen to what all they're saying on the sidewalk. We could, we could, he could have dismissed him as a man out of touch. He could have looked at his eyes that were dim and the lamp that was going out and said, There's no need for me to go there. But somehow he recognized him still in this bowed condition as a man who was appointed by God. Hallelujah. And he said, I'm going to go and I'm going to seek the face of Eli again. Amen. By devoting himself to the things of God and by listening to the voice of Eli, Samuel was able to focus on the special word that the Lord had for him. God desired for Samuel to be a prophet. When Samuel was very young, he received his call from the Lord. Amen. We can only imagine Samuel's surprise at learning that it was God who was speaking to me. Can you imagine what went through? I won't bore you with the frame by frame thing again, but can you imagine what went on in the mind of Samuel? Whenever Eli said, what you've heard is the voice. Voice of God and go lay down, son, and just peradventure that the Lord speaks it. If you hear it again, he said, Just open your mouth and say, Speak, Lord. This was the first time that he had ever directly spoken to the Lord. He was just a young man, probably just had trivial responsibilities around the temple. And now here is the priest saying, Hey, God, Jehovah, is talking. And when he says it again, just say, Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. Wow wow, but he accepted it, and the storyline gets even more interesting in many ways, the Lord did in fact speak to Samuel, and the Lord told him that he was going to judge the house of Eli, now how would you like this to be your first sermon, speak Lord, thy servant heareth. I won't take the time to read it, but it's there. Amen. The Lord said, I'm going to judge the house of Eli. You can read this, on, don't, don't do it now, but on your own time. 1 Samuel 3:11 through 14. It's a bloody thing. And he said, I'm going to judge the house of, of Eli. And 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 there were, that's some pretty heavy stuff to lay in the show on the shoulders of a young man. And the Bible says that it was so heavy in verse number fifteen that Samuel feared to show it unto Eli. He feared to tell him. He knew that Eli is going. I'm no. I just know in the morning he's going to be right there. He's going to be knocking on the door. He's going to sit down and say, "Well, son, what did the Lord say?" Amen. Eli. Amen. Eli was was he listened to the Lord? Samuel. Amen. As he came at rather. Samuel listened to the Lord and when Eli came in fact the next day and asked him what did the Lord say he didn't I don't know how difficult it may have been for him to push through this but somehow he shared he shared with him what the Lord had told him now this had to be very very difficult now we've read the book and we know that in chapter 2 the Lord had already told Eli what he was going to do and so what Samuel is saying is not news, it's just confirmation. This is not judgment pronounced, it's just judgment, it is judgment that is confirmed. Amen. The Bible, uh, the Bible talks about how that he said the judgment was coming against your house. He was confirming the, the word of the Lord, and there were so many reasons for this judgment. Some of that was the sins of, of of Eli's sons, and and Eli had done such a feeble job in trying to correct them, and and so they showed no remorse. They didn't show any change in their in, in their actions, and yet Eli allowed them to continue uh, to, to to function in their positions, and that was what brought judgment. Against against his house now Eli doesn't appear to be surprised when Samuel told him what the Lord revealed to him as a matter of fact this was Eli's response in verse number 18 he said it is the Lord let him do what seemeth good what, what seemeth him good he's, he's God wow I'm not sure I could have quite taken it that well very strange. Very strange to me. But right where we're standing now, right here at 1 Samuel 3 and 18, it's very strange to me that this same thing would be repeated again in the life of Samuel. That Samuel's sons would do the identical same thing. But I want to I close and I want to try to bring this, and I'm going to ask our musicians to come, if you will. And so I'll try to just bring this to a conclusion, not just to an ending. But I want to conclude this in our mind and our heart. And so I don't want you to dismiss because I've just now got to the meat of what I want to say. I'm thankful that God still calls and that people still respond. I'm very thankful for that. I um, humbly say this: I've very been very privileged for um, the last twenty or, or, or twenty or maybe a little bit more years to have served on the Florida District Board. That's just one district, one organization. So I, the world's a big place, but I'm just talking about one little view that God has privileged me to have and to see that. God still calls people into the ministry and and people still answer that call. Just last week at camp meeting or this month rather last month at camp meeting we had 17 people that met the district board for ministerial license. God still calls. People still respond. God still calls people to do certain things and functions within the body such as home missions or global missions, and, and, um, and God still speaks for people to do things within the local body of their local church to work the ministries of that church, because if we just sent everybody out, where would the mother be? So God still speaks and people still listen. And so I'm thankful that what I'm talking about tonight, God has given me a viewpoint. I hope that makes sense to understand the validity of what I'm saying. Now, this may seem too rudimentary maybe for some this evening, but it's still the truth. I think there is a very important key to hearing the voice of God. And, and, and here it is. I think that we must make ourselves available. Now, I don't know if you were looking for a bigger piece of pie than that or a smaller piece of pie. But fundamentally, if we're going to hear the voice of God, we've got to be available to hear the voice of God. Now, if we're going to connect to God, then that means we have got to disconnect from a few other things. Because God is jealous. Amen. Now, I'm not suggesting that we go off to some far distant land and move into a cave and none of the above. But I do believe that if I'm going to hear the the word of the Lord speak or if I'm going to have God impress something into my spirit, that I've got to be intentional about some quiet times alone with God. I've said it for years, and I, just, I guess I'll just leave this world saying it, but I believe one of the greatest enemies that the church fights today is busyness. Busyness. I, I, I've only had the privilege to pastor one time in one church, but I know that's one of the greatest battles that we fight right here is busyness. I'm not being critical, but it won't hurt to be plain. sometimes we're just too busy with other things to really be where God wants us to be. We have more time-saving devices than any other generation before us. And we find ourselves as a generation that has less time on our hands than probably anybody before us. And so we have to be intentional about Stealing away time to be alone with God. And you know what? You have to fight for that time. Now, I, I want to be real fair here, but I don't want to leave anybody with a wrong impression that I know maybe some of you that still have children underfoot, you think, yeah, but man, if I could just get these kids raised out of the house, I'm going to have all the quiet time in the world. No, no, no. It doesn't work that way. That's, that's not how it plays out. Because you see, the enemy of your soul will just put something else there. And then something else, and then something else, and something else. So we can't allow ourselves. If, if the body of the Lord could be where they were in First Samuel 3, if they could be there in First Samuel 3, we can be there today. There was no open vision, and the word of the Lord was rare. And so visions and prophecies, I want to remind you, that's our apostolic birthright. And when I say prophecy, don't don't let your mind wander too far. I do believe in the prophetic voice of people that have the ability for God to use them in foretelling, but most prophecy is just proclaiming and confirming the word of God. But I believe that visions and prophecies, that is our apostolic birthright. Joel 2 and Acts 2 speaks of young people seeing visions. Now, I'm not through preaching, so please stay connected. Amen. The Bible talks in Acts 2 and Joel 2 about young seeing visions and old dreaming dreams. Sons and daughters, servants and handmaidings prophesying. Acts 2 lets us know that everyone should be in a position to hear the voice of God. Young, old, Male, female in the ministry are simply a supporting work of the Lord. Whatever it may be, we must be in a position to hear the voice of the Lord. And so here, I want to just leave you with this. How much greater, I'll just pose this question. How much greater would the story of Samuel be if one person is not upstaged by the other person? Let me say it another way. How much more powerful would this story be if one generation had not been upstaged by another generation? Wonder what it would have been and how powerful this moment would have been if in the center of this ring could have stepped this sage-wise prophet Eli who had lived his life whole and pure before God and he linked arms with a generation that was fresh and pure and anointed of God to take it to the next mile. Amen. You see, we don't need, we can't afford to lose either generation. And I'm all for reaching for our young people, but let me tell you something. We're in a fight to keep our, we're in a fight to keep, I don't want to use the wrong word here, but we're in a fight to keep our elders. Because you see, the devil doesn't care where he gets you. He'll be just as happy to trick you up at 80 as he will to be trick you up at 18. Amen, so that's why we, need, we can't afford to lose either generation. And so I wanna reach to the 25-year-olds and the 30-year-olds and the 35 and the 40 and the 45 and the 50 and the 55 and say, don't you give up either. We're trying to win the eight-year-olds and the 12-year-olds and the 14-year-olds and we're trying to influence the 16-year-olds and the 18-year-olds, but you know what? We're not gonna succeed in that if at 35 or 40 you're backing away from what you've been holding on to all these years. How much more it's all right let's just stand. How much more powerful would this have been if the young generation wasn't having to replace the old generation, but rather they could have linked arms. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm talking about tonight. Amen. We need we certainly need the strength and the vitality and the and the vision of the youth, but we need the solidarity and the foundation of our elders. We don't just need reckless strength. We don't need reckless visions, nor do we just need people that are just looking at all everything through the eyes of just practicality. Amen. We need faith. We need hope. We need vision. We need dreams. We need all of that grounded. And so I say, God, help us today not to replay Eli and Samuel again and again and again, generation after generation, but how powerful it will be to link a new generation of young apostolics who in the last several weeks have been in Ocala. Amen. Many of them have been speaking in tongues. I'm not just talking about from this church but all over our churches who have been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost Amen. who have been refilled and rejuvenated and, and refired how great that will be to go home and leak arms with another generation they've already got a prayer life established, they've already got the word of God committed to their heart and their lives, how powerful that would be to link all of that together and not sacrifice one for the other does that make sense? My goodness, I've probably almost been talking an hour. But you see, if the, if the devil can get you to just give up a little bit of ground, I'm reaching for some young families, young married couples. I'm reaching for some middle-aged tonight. If the devil can just get you to give up a little bit of ground, you can't measure the effect that's gonna have on our 12-year-old's. Because what you allow, you've heard your pastor say this for 30 years almost, what you allow in moderation, the next generation will allow in excess. Amen. God help us. So that means we can't just attend church. But what we've really got to have, each and every one of us, Paul was on the road to Macedonia. Behold, a light shined. A light, an experience that was so powerful that it blinded the apostle Paul. And when the Lord spoke from heaven, Paul recognized him for who he was. And he said, who art thou, Lord? Lord. That's why Later, Paul would pick up a pen, and he would write the epistle and say, though we are an angel from heaven, come preach any other gospel. Let him be accursed. You know why? Because he wasn't preaching his grandpa's religion. He wasn't preaching what his mother handed him. He wasn't preaching what his Sunday school teacher taught him. I'm not... I'm not trying to devalue any of these roles, but he wasn't just parroting what his student pastored, what they taught. No, 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 he wasn't just, they weren't just echoing what he had heard at camp or at some rally somewhere. He had an experience for himself. And I'm gonna tell you that if God spoke to Samuel and made bare his arm and revealed who he was, he will speak to our young ladies and he will speak to our young men Amen. I know we're always going to need teachers and we're always going to need leaders and we're going to need mentors. We're going to need all of that. But I'm going to tell you what I have felt so impressed of God to pray is for revelation. And they don't have to be 18 to see it. That's a truth. Amen. But God can reveal himself. So I wonder if we could just some lessons from Samuel here. If we could just look into this and say, Lord, help us. God, let me hold on to it with everything that I have. I just feel the need to pray. Amen. I just feel the need to pray. And I'm going to ask you to join me, if you will. Amen. Let's gather around the front. If you're here with your family, come with your family. Amen. Let's pray and ask God to touch our lives.